Let's go. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. One, one day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. I ought to sit down and preach sometime. Jesus sat and preached on a stool. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Talking about cowboy fans. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Jesus is explaining to the disciples, he's explaining to the crowd, those who have repented of their sins and accepted the kingdom of God. He is basically describing this is what a Jesus follower looks like. This is the character and the attitude of someone that says, I am, I'm with Jesus. I, I've accepted the kingdom of God and I want to follow God. And when I follow God, I, I, I know that these, these attributes will be true of my life. Now, he uses the word blessed here which is translated to happy, but happy doesn't do the word justice in the Greek. It is not you're happy if you have this attitude. It's beyond happy. He is describing the inner reality of someone that has accepted Jesus. He's saying on the inside of their life, they will be blessed. They will be happy because there will be an exclamation of joy and inner peace. So in other words, he is describing the inner world of a Christian. He's describing the inner reality of someone that follows Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is saying this will be their inside world. It will not be exterior. It will be interior. It will not be happy, which is based upon circumstance in the world. It will be based upon what I am and who I am in their life. It will be an inner exclamation of joy and peace. He is describing to his crowd, and he is basically giving a list of these are the things that a Christ follower is, the things that God loves, the things he is, he also, notice the caveat at the end of each one. He is, he is, he is promising a reward for those who have this attitude. He's saying, if you are the mourning, if you are poor in spirit, if you are someone that is pure in heart, if you do desire righteousness, he has given a caveat or a reward, a divine reward to those that have this attitude. So he's describing this will be an, an inner reality and I'll reward you with X. This is unbelievable. And we have to understand that there are things that God loves about our attitude and there are things clearly in the scripture that God hates about our attitude. 
Like if we don't think God hates stuff that we do, we are tripping and mistaken today. Look at Proverbs chapter six for one moment. Let me contrast the rewards and caveats that God lays out in Matthew five with the damaging results of Proverbs chapter six. Watch what it says in Proverbs six. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. Can I just be honest with you today? Are there things that you hate? Like I hate bad breath. Like when I get around somebody and then they're talking, I'm like, oh dear God. Oh, I can't do it. He's like, you ever pull out gum? Like, he's like, hey, want one? You know, you can't hide it. You're just like, want one? Whenever someone does that to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Are you serious? Are you, did it have, <sighs> you ever do that? <sighs> or close talkers. I don't do close talkers. Like, why am I keep backing up and you keep getting closer? I'm not, I'm into it. I'm not into it. Six things the Lord hates. Seven things he despises. What does God hate? Haughty eyes a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Someone that stirs up all kinds of gossip and drama in the church or in the community. God says, I hate it. I despise these things. Six things the Lord hates, seven things the Lord despises. I hate a lying, lying tongue, a haughty spirit, one that sows discord among the brethren. I can't stand this stuff. But God is saying to Matthew 5, I love this stuff. Oh, I love it when you operate in this attitude. Oh, I love when you have the attitude that is like Christ. I want to talk for a couple weeks about you and I obtaining the attitude that Jesus had. Because Jesus could give this sermon and talk about the be attitudes, be your attitude, because this was his attitude. This was the attitude he had. And no greater time in the history of the world do we need God's attitude than in 2020. By the way, don't think for one second we're going to go to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, we're going to party and celebrate, and everything's going to be done. We're still going to be in a pandemic. We're still going to have things pending. We're still going to have vaccine reality. We're still going to need to get back to school. We're still going to have all. Listen, just because it's a new year doesn't mean the season's over. We need to understand how to have God's attitude in this time. In other words, what, what I'm trying to say is, is, is maybe your attitude is what's suffering your life. Maybe it's not a pandemic. Maybe it's not a financial reality. Maybe it's the attitude and the approach you have towards your situation or your circumstance. Maybe it's not your spouse's problem. Maybe it's your problem. Maybe it's not your kids that are the issue. Maybe it's your attitude that is the issue. We need the attitude of Christ. Whatever God had as his attitude, I need as my attitude. I want to preach a message today. Would you write down the title? It's called, How to Be Happy During Terrible Times. How in the world do I be happy during terrible times? This is our quest, how to be happy during, I find myself being jealous of other places in the nation. You know, like I was watching college football yesterday and they have like fans in the stand, like they have no, like no mass on. It's like 17,000 people watching an SEC college football game. I'm like, fam, we can, all we can get is takeout. Like, we're like we, we, don't have, we don't have restaurants, we don't have schools, we don't have gyms. I feel like such a martyr and a victim. Like, we're in L.A. But the reality is, whether you live in the South or you live in the Northeast or you live in California, it doesn't matter. We are all in a challenge. And we have to learn how to be happy 
in the midst of difficult times. Anybody can be happy when the sun is out and everything's normal and everything's perfect. But what do you do when life gets hard? What do you do in a difficult time? How do you get the right attitude and the right mindset during difficult times? We need the attitude of Jesus in the midst of adversity. Amen to that? Let me give you three of these attitudes we need. Write down number one today. I love this one. We are broke and rich at the same time. When you are going through a hard time, you need to realize you are broke and you are rich at the same time. This is the first blessed, the first happy that he says. Watch what he says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If your attitude is poor in spirit, you have the attitude of being broke. You will will actually be blessed. You will be happy because now we have to understand whenever you and I see the word poor, we think of a financial reality. We think of poor people. He is not talking about fiduciary reality. He's not talking about economy or finance. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, you realize you are bankrupt spiritually. You have nothing to offer God. No pedigree, no prestige, no money, no position will get you in good with God. You are desperate. You are needy. You are dependent. And because you are so broken, I can't get to heaven. I can't get right with God. I can't buy my way, earn my way, serve my way, give my way. I can only get grace. I can only get salvation by Jesus's sacrifice, by the love of God. So I'm broke and yet I'm rich. The way I become righteous and the way I become filled is I admit I am broken, I am needy, I am dependent, I have nothing to offer, I have nothing to give. It is all you, not me. It is all grace, not earned. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. I thank you that I'm poor spiritually, which means I'm rich in the heavenlies. Oh, I love the Bible says that he has blessed us with every heavenly blessing. So I am blessed and I am poor. When you realize how poor you are and you can do nothing to earn salvation, nothing to get into heaven, nothing to get in good good with God. It is all his grace and it is not your works. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Who gets the kingdom of heaven? Who gets to really walk in the kingdom of heaven? It is those that say, gosh, I don't know how. I don't know why. I am nobody. I am nothing. I am a sinner. I am, I am messed up. I've got issues. I've got brokenness. I've got baggage. I am, not, I am not that great. I am not that good. I don't care how righteous you are. You realize I'm poor in spirit. Is there anybody today that realize how bankrupt you are spiritually and how good God has been to you in spite of you? Oh, I love Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are the mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. In other words, the spirit or the attitude is saying, God, who am I? Like, who am, who am I? Like, what, like, I am, I am, I am nobody. I am nothing. I am from nowhereville. I am not that important. And who, you, you shower me with love. You're kind. You're gracious. You're good. I, I am. Well, that means you're broken. You're rich at the same time. Because you have the attitude that attracts heaven 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who gets the kingdom of heaven? The pompous one, the prestigious, the powerful, the positioned, the famous, the rich. No, it's the poor in spirit. And because I humble myself and being poor in spirit, God says, I'll give you the riches of the kingdom of heaven. The way that you get rich in this kingdom is you get poor. And in my poverty spiritually, he gives me everything that I need in the heavenly. Do you realize that this is contrary to the world? Do you realize this is in direct opposition, direct conflict to the spirit of this world? The world says brag about self. The world says self-reliance, self-confidence. The world says self-esteem matters most. Brag, put yourself out there. You've got it. Rely on yourself. You don't need anybody else. Grind mode. God says, no, no, no. You are not blessed when you're self-reliant. You are only blessed if you're God-reliant. You are not blessed with self-confidence. You are blessed with God-confidence. How do you become broke and rich at the same time? How can you be happy in the midst of a pandemic? How can you go through crisis and have exclamation of joy? It is only by saying, I am so poor spiritually, and yet I am rich in the heavenly. I just love this about Jesus. The first thing he starts with is saying, I just want to make sure everybody knows, thank you for accepting repentance. Thank you for turning away from your idols and your, and your lying. And, 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 and th thank you for turning away from your, from your morals and your ethics that were off. Thank you for accepting the kingdom of God. What that looks like is that you stay poor in spirit. I don't get saved so that I can go back to self-reliance and self-confidence. I stay in that spirit. I stay in that attitude. It is, it is not a, a, a appearing back in self-righteousness. It is staying humbly before God. God, I am nothing. I am broken. I am dependent. I am needy. I have never been in more. Anybody aware that you need God more than ever before? Anybody aware that God, you, you, you need God? That is a poor in spirit. The kingdom of God is yours. So he starts first with a poverty mindset spiritually. I don't want you to have a poverty mindset in your life, but I want you to have a poverty mindset when it comes to your spiritual life. There is no earning, no striving, no giving. There is no positioning. It is all grace, not you. You are naked, broken, and poor before the Lord, and yet he graces you. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This, this, this rages with the world. The world says express yourself, believe in yourself, realize the power that is innate in yourself. Let the whole world see and know you as self-confident, self-assured, and self-reliant. And God says, nope, not for my people, not for my followers. In fact, I would say if you're self-assured, self-reliant, self-confident, all about self, maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Because a Jesus follower dies to self and says, I am completely and utterly dependent upon the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I am broke and I am rich at the same time. Like you rich, like you, like for real, you rich? Yeah, it's different rich. Like what are we talking about? Like, like stocks, bonds? Like what are we talking about? Iris? What are we talking about? No, 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 it's different, it's different. Like I'm rich up there. Yo, guys, cool, but what about down here? Yeah, I don't really got that much. Why are you so happy? Why do you have so much joy? Ah, it's not, it's not my bank account. It doesn't define me. It's, in, it's inside stuff. It's inner joy. It's inner peace. It's like I'm blessed. Like when you say blessed, do you mean like you're blessed? Like how much are we talking about? No, no, no. I'm not, it's not that blessed. It's not world blessed. It's I got joy and peace. You can't buy that. He says blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Not poor, bankrupt. 
pour in their spirit that says, in my spirit I know I am nothing without Jesus. I am broke and I am rich, rich with joy and peace and life and levity and laughter and relationship. I am rich in things that money can't buy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. He continues on, and now he talks about mourning. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Write down number two, we are mourning and dancing at the same time. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Have you lost anything? Lost friends, lost money, lost opportunity, lost a child. Lost, have you lost in life the pain of life, the grief of life? Have you lost? Have you mourned? Have you mourned in 2020? Oh, where we could have gone. Oh, what we could have done. Have you mourned your business? My heart goes out to the restaurant owners of our city. Have you mourned those that have closed their doors? Have you mourned those that have lost their jobs? Have you mourned? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because in their brokenness, they will be comforted. God comforts the brokenhearted. He comes close to those that are hurting. He says, when you mourn, you get comforted. Now, you got to understand what we're talking about when we talk about mourning. Because it's not talking about mourning the loss of life or the loss of money or the loss of job. He is talking about, do you mourn your sin that caused the need for a Savior? Do you mourn the reality that our world is so crooked and so broken and they need Jesus and don't have him? Does it make you mourn? He is not saying, do you mourn, do you mourn the fact that, you know, you made a bad investment and it didn't work out? I was talking to somebody recently and they were, they were, they were telling me about an investment and, and these two brothers, they're, you know, they're great investors and one of them saw an opportunity. And he said, you know, um, in the midst of COVID, he said, this stock is at so-and-so, and and I think we should invest. And and so the brother with the idea put in, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. But the brother that heard it put in millions. And in COVID, that millions has turned into way more millions. And the brother that did a couple hundred thousand was like, oh, my gosh, like, what was I thinking? I gave him the idea. I made him millions. And now I've got pretty much nothing. We're not mourning bad decisions. We're not mourning like, oh, I could have made money. We're not mourning like, oh, 2020, I wish school was open. I wish I could get, I wish I could go to a restaurant. Oh, my, my Orange Theory Fitness, this is just my, now my, this is my lamenting now. No, he said, blessed are those who mourn for their sin, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn death because they shall be comforted you know one of the things i love about god is that when we mourn in the right way we are comforted to know that our hope is in heaven that this world is not my home i'm mourning i am grieving i am i am at loss and yet i have a greater hope and a greater reality and a greater place and this world is not my home Oh, I love this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Watch what it says. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Why can I literally be at such peace and at such comfort? Because I know that though I experience loss on this earth, listen, this world is not my home. And so death has been swallowed up in victory by Jesus Christ. And so listen, it has no sting. I know I will be raised incorruptible on the day that he returns. And I know that I am going to a greater place 
place. So though I mourn the loss of decision, the loss of life, the loss of opportunity, whatever this is, no, no, no. I am comforted with the reality of heaven. I am comforted with a greater citizenship. I am comforted with the promises of God. I am comforted that this world is not my home. Come on, in the chat right now. Put it in the chat. I have the hope of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I don't know if you've ever gone through mourning season, but the, the, but the joy of the Lord and the strength of God, I'm comforted. I might be facing this hell on earth, but I'm comforted that God is good. I'm comforted that he's alive. I'm comforted that he is my peace. I'm comforted that he's my banner. I know I'm facing this. Our daughter, our Georgia, turned nine this last week, and I can't believe how, how, how old she is and nine years old. It's kind of a crazy time for us in our home, and, and, uh, and Julia, her birthday, and then the next day we were sitting there and, and and she's crying and even the next day she's crying and and she's like I don't know what this is what, what this is and I'm very emotional and I don't know why her birthday is hard for me and I'm and I'm feeling just all these years nine years this girl's never said a word nine years she's never talked or walked nine years that, that Julia and I've been taking care when I say Julia and I, I mean more Julia has been taking care of this child Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you mourn and you grieve, you are mourning and dancing at the same time. How can you dance when you, when you are facing mourning? Well, I'm dancing because this world's not my home. And I'm dancing because God is so good in spite of my loss. My attitude is that of saying, God, this, this world has nothing to offer me. Only you have the things that I need. Only your home is where I live to go. I, I, I don't want this world or the things of this world. I don't need to be defined by this world. My hope is in heaven. So I am broken rich at the same time. I am mourning and dancing at the same time. I write down number three today. I hope this is encouraging you. We are weak and strong at the same time. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Third one, the last one today. Blessed are the meek. Now, I want to tell you, do not mistake meekness for weakness. Because weakness can't do anything, but meekness can and shows mercy. Meekness can and shows self-control. The theme here, what Jesus is talking about, if you follow me, you accept repentance and the kingdom of God, you are blessed if this is your attitude. You have meekness, which is gentleness, goodness. It is self-control. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. You have power and yet you exercise restraint. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to just tell you this is the greatest challenge of 2020, meekness on the earth. Because right now we have tons of weakness and very zero close to nothing meekness because it takes restraint not to put that comment on social media it takes restraint not to attack others behind twitter and instagram it takes meekness to go you know what i could but what would jesus do you know i think we got to get back to that old question what would jesus do what would jesus do in 2020 would he be would he be weak or would he be walking in meekness 
Because I love how Isaiah, the prophet, describes Jesus on his way to the cross. He did not display weakness, but he walked in total meekness. Watch what it says here in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears, it was silent. So he did not open his mouth. Worship team, you can come. He did not open his mouth. He exercised total meekness. He said, you know what? I'm going to show restraint right now. You know what? I'm going to show goodness right now. I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm totally be in control. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Listen, you can get so much favor. You can get so much uh, prestige, so much honor when you walk in meekness. But when you walk in weakness, no control. By the way, the only way you can create meekness... Meekness is not a personality. Meekness is a result of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And the Holy Spirit works in you. says, nope, you don't need to say that. Nope, that doesn't need to be your attitude. Nope, you don't have to retaliate. Nope, you don't have to listen. The person that walks in meekness has no violence, no vengeance, no vendettas. When I walk in meekness, I don't need to repay evil with evil. When I walk in meekness, nope, I can have self-control. I am not given to the flesh. In other words, if you want to be a person of meekness, you are controlled and led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rules you. The Holy Spirit literally just overwhelms you. And so you say, I am controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a world filled with the attitude of weakness. No self-restraint. No self-control. Indulging in whatever we want. That's weakness. Meekness is controlled power. The way you display your power is you control it. I want to encourage you today. These are the attitudes of someone that says yes to Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who walk in meekness, for they shall inherit the whole earth. The earth will be theirs influence, relationship, longevity, the inner reality of someone that has these attitudes, they have the exclamation of joy and the exclamation of peace. When I say exclamation of joy and peace, does that describe you right now? Is that your inner world? Or are you trying to put on a facade and let the world think that you're happy when in reality you, you, you don't have joy? You don't have peace. Because we need to learn how to be happy in the midst of terrible times. Listen, it's nine months in. Who knows how many more months we have? Who knows how long this lasts? Who knows the twists and the turns, the bumps and the bruises that are yet ahead for your life? And if we don't start applying how to get happy now, how much more? How much more devastation? How much more damage? How much more losing your soul? Because my, my whole thing is like, at the end of this, will you just be a shell of yourself? Because I want, I want my inner world to be 10 times better than my outer world. Jesus is not concerned with exterior. Notice how he always went after religious people. You guys do not get it. You care about the outside. I care about the inside. Religion is all about works, appearance, making it look good, making it look flashy, making it look like you got it all together. Listen, when it comes to grace, it's all about brokenness. It's all about transparency. It's all about honesty. It's all about being self-controlled. 
I pray today that you would be broken rich at the same time. I pray today that you all, you're in mourning, you're dancing today at the same time. I pray that right now, though you are in the midst of going through hard times, in the midst of it, you can have the exclamation point of joy and peace. This is how we are happy in the midst of difficult times. Difficult times are going to continue. There's always going to be something to mourn. There's always going to be a time where it's like I can just flex on them. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm praying over you today that you would have the attitude of Jesus. You know, your attitude is your altitude. You will never surpass your attitude. Your attitude is as high as your life will ever go. So the Bible literally put in it, Philippians 2, 5, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. See what he what he did here is he sat on a hill. And he's like, guys, this is, I knew I was going to start my ministry. I knew the time was coming. I knew I'd start preaching. I didn't know how people would respond. I just got up and started saying, repent, y'all. Kingdom of God is at hand. I, I only got, I got two messages. I only got two things to say to the whole world. Repent. Turn from your sins and accept the kingdom of God. This is all, but I'm just, okay, I'm glad you're with me. But if you're with me and if you're in, if you follow God, let me tell you what a Jesus follower looks like. Let me tell you the inner world of someone that receives this kingdom. Let me just tell you how blessed you are. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. You are so happy in your inner world if you are mourning what you've lost, because then I can comfort you. I can comfort you because you, what was dear to you, you lost it because you gained what really matters. Oh, I'm telling you, blessed. Blessed are those that are meek. I know that you're in a culture that's like flex. Tell them what you are. Show them who you are. I know that it's, it, 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 it's sabotage. It's critical. It's talk trash. It's being a, a person that has so many opinions. No, no, no. Blessed are the meek. Jesus is going to show his disciples meekness, not weakness. When as they took him and they made him go to a cross at Golgotha and they mocked him and they said, oh, you say you're the king of the Jews. Oh, you say that you can save the world. Oh, you say this. Why don't you save yourself, man? He's hanging on a cross. They're mocking him, spitting at him, laughing at him, taunting him. He doesn't even say a word because he's controlling his power. He knows who he is. I want to preach to you today. You can get happy in the midst of difficult times because God is good and you will walk in the attitude of Christ. I don't know what you're up against, but we got to adjust the attitude. I don't know what you're facing, but the attitude that you've been walking in.